making dark Isn't it funny how hard it is to start Making money, making art But you're not alone In the unknown of making money, making art Hello, hello! Welcome back to Making Money, Making Art, the podcast where we have transparent conversations with artists about money and dive deep on all aspects of creativity. I'm Kate, and I've actually already had my morning cappuccino, and frankly, I'm going to need another one here soon. (laughs) I was hanging out late last night with my friend slash co-writer, and we are currently preparing to submit to Hallmark's open submissions, uh, their publishing side of the the Hallmark empire. (laughs) As I do unapologetically love Hallmark movies, there's lots of things I would change, but it's such a good, it's not even guilty. You know, like I just, I, I fully own this guilty pleasure. Guilty quotes. So basically, we're taking a novel that we'd worked on together, a women's fiction novel that we started working on for five years ago. We just looked at it uh, where we'd mostly completed it. It was on the third draft. It was really just through the stage that we'd had a beta reader and we needed to take their input and fine tune the novel and uh, get more beta readers, really. So it was pretty far along in the process, all things considered. But now, we are attempting to hallmarkify it, which is basically scaling up the age of our protagonists just a little bit. Um, it is already women's fiction with a kind of heavy romantic subplot, whereas the the true love story is between the two best friends. But we do have to take out some cursing. Um, we didn't have any sex in the story to begin with, but we do have to tone down some of the, the heavier makeout scenes potentially. <laughs> So once we do that, we have to come up with a query letter, a synopsis, and really just pitch our story to Hallmark. Um, I'm really excited. I'm actually working on a romance novel that I'm going to submit myself as well for this. I actually, rather than having one that was completed, I'm doing one specifically for the open submission since it doesn't have to be a completed project. So I thought it would just be a fun little challenge, and I'm all about the fun little challenges. But speaking of romance, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Charlotte She's an Australian writer who was traditionally published by Harlequin in 2021, which is just incredible. That book was The Unworthy Duke, and the cover is just amazing. It's a Regency romance. And she kind of discusses how the Australian traditional publishing industry works. So her book actually came out first in like ebook format. And then there was the explosion of Bridgerton. So when her physical copy came out a few months later, they actually had a sticker that was like, if you love Bridgerton, you'll love this. And I'm telling you the Unworthy Dukes cover, it just, you feel that instantly. I do want to make a quick qualifying statement that when we're talking about money throughout the course of this interview, Charlotte hadn't yet received any substantial payment for her paperback release. As I mentioned, it was released several months after the ebook. And that's kind of something we chat about, something that you might not know if you're not in that traditional publishing world or in a publishing world, that you often receive payment for stuff months after the fact. So Charlotte actually received her first proper paycheck for the paperback just a few weeks ago, and we recorded before then. So any of the stats you hear, any of the numbers that she kind of spits out are just specifically kind of first paycheck for that ebook. And she does break down the payment structure a little bit regarding ebooks. So anyways, it's very fascinating, but it's just something that I want y'all to keep in mind. But I absolutely adore 
adored getting to chat with Charlotte Ann, especially about the kind of community aspect that writers and readers have. Australia has a smaller publishing market than America does. And so it was really interesting getting her perspective on, you know, sometimes how small that market is, but also how it helps to join the Australian Romance Readers Association and then the Romance Writers of Australia and really just meeting more and more people and getting involved in that community. She was also in the middle of submitting her second book to her publisher. And that can be a very vulnerable place to be when you don't know if your book's going to be accepted or not. Um, and I feel so lucky that Charlotte Ann chatted with me during this time. And I'm very happy to let y'all know that she reached out and told me that her second book was officially accepted. So I want you to keep that in mind when you are listening to this conversation. In a previous episode, we also chatted with Auburn Morrow about posting your stories online, posting to Wattpad. And Charlotte Ann has done the same with over 540,000 reads on The Highlander's Thief. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop gushing and uh, go ahead and get to the interview with the wonderful and amazing Charlotte Ann. Okay, so we'll just start with the first question. We're going to jump right into it. How much money do you make from your creative endeavors? How much money do I make? Not a lot. (laughs) To be entirely truthful, not a lot. And there's quite a few reasons for that. The first being, it was my first book. I've only got one book out in the world. But yay! (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. I wouldn't change it for anything. Even if people gave me no money, I'd still be like, read my book. Yeah. So I've only got one book out and it only came out in paperback in Australia, which um, it's quite a small market, unfortunately, but the ebook is available worldwide. So I guess that makes up for it. Definitely not a enough to live on. I do have a day job. Yeah. So what is your day job? So I just work for the government. It's not very exciting, but it pays the bills. Yes. And gives you, I'm sure, more time to write than when you were an archaeologist. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was an archaeologist, sometimes you wouldn't even have your laptop with with you. I know I went like two months without a laptop and I couldn't write anywhere. And I, I had to borrow a friend's laptop for like two hours just so I could like have a little go at writing again. Oh my God. Working, you know, just being in the same city, working in the same city where I live a lot, a lot more time. Yeah. Oh my God. That sounds wild though. Do you think, um, do you have any plans? Cause I know right now you're writing like Regency romance in a middle grade, but do you have any plans to like integrate some of your time as an archeologist into your stories? Good question. I think I kind of already am (laughs) not so much my personal experience as an archaeologist, but probably like the skills I learned at uni researching. Because mm. Regency romance, so much research is involved. It is incredible. Like it took me over two years to write my first book, not just because you're writing the book, but because you have to do all the research. I was just reading nonfiction book after nonfiction book. So I, I think it has put me in a good place for my writing in one way or another. Yes. I'm always so impressed by people who write historical, historical anything, whether that's historical romance or anything else, because I just don't think I'm capable of that level of research. Uh, I'm so impressed because you have to stick with like your readers are going to call you out if you get it wrong, right? Like you have a little bit of room to play with stuff, but 
they're going to know and they're going to be pulled out of the story if you get it wrong. Yeah, you definitely have room to move, but you don't want to make it so unbelievable that it's going to ruin the effect of it of it being set in a very specific time period. And mine is set in like a very specific year. So I had to research like what the weather was like that that year, all the big events that were happening. So I did, I, I did try. <laughs> Fingers crossed there are no big mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I want to come back to that because I know yeah. you were writing the second one this year, but I'm kind of curious. I admittedly don't know a whole lot about the Australian book market because obviously oh, yeah. yep. the imprints are similar and it's the same like big four and the same whatever but um I know that one of the things with trad pub is how you're paid in like segments so it's like when you get the deal but then also when you turn in the story but then the final payments like at publication is that true for you or has it changed a little bit I pitched my book to an editor who read it who liked it she wasn't the first editor I'd pitched to but she was the one who loved it and then she sent me what is called a deal sheet, which laid out the terms and conditions, which I signed. Of course, I was going to sign it. And in that included, you know, how many royalties I would get on each different format of the book. Oh. So the royalties differ for if it's an ebook to compared to if it's a print book. And they also set out like when I would be paid. And that includes every quarter. So about every three months I get some money which is very exciting I didn't get an advance because you know I'm a new author it was my first book ever I didn't get an advance I only get paid royalties oh okay and I get paid for every quarter but it's a quarter behind so mm-hmm. I had to wait basically two quarters or six months before I got my first money after my book was released wow oh my god okay so it's you didn't get any any advance, any upfront. No, no. Okay. Okay. That included all of the time that we were editing the book. It didn't need that much editing, truth be told. It mainly needed um, like a spell check, that type of thing. Yeah. So I didn't get any money during that period or the period where you wait for them to design the covers and to do all the formatting. And then there's the lead-in time where they're advertising your book and getting ready to put it out there. Then it comes out, you get your big day. It's all really exciting, but you still got to wait two payment quarters before you get any money. Since you're working on your second book, do you have like a contract to also have them publish that one? Because I know you're also hoping to work on the third one in the series too, right? (laughs) I have an idea for the third one, but I haven't started yet. It differs author to author and imprint to imprint but for my particular imprint what they normally do is you sign the deal on your first book and then they have the first writer refusal for any other books you write in the same universe with the same characters so I have written book two very optimistically hoping that it will be accepted fingers crossed that's so interesting do you have any okay this is no pressure do you have any specific numbers that you feel comfortable sharing my first paycheck which is when your book is first released that's when the most advertisement goes into the book because obviously every month they have new books coming out so they're going to focus (laughs) on a different set of books every month 
the month that my came out that was my biggest one a couple of hundred dollars more than 300 probably less than 500 <laughs> after that it was you know a little bit less but I think it's been relatively consistent Mm-hmm. Of course, things like coronavirus probably stuffed me around a little bit mm-hmm. because the month that my book came out in paperback in Australia, Australia was in like this hard lockdown for for months. No one could even go to the shops. The shops weren't open. So the month my book was supposed to be out on the shelf was like the, the month no one was going into the shops. So that probably had an impact on it a little bit. But um, but yeah. I'm, I'm still very proud. And of course, lockdown, very important, much more important than my book sales. <laughs> right. I know it's like everything in context, but that is totally like, it, it's a little bit heartbreaking for authors who are published around this time to not get to experience, you know, the, the full author experience that some people get yeah, or what you dream of. <laughs> I didn't have a launch party or anything because you weren't allowed to see anyone. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get to actually see my book on the shelf for like a month or two after it came out. But the day I did see it, fantastic. Almost Glorious. unbelievable. Yeah. Yay. Oh, I can't even imagine. That is, seems like such a wonderful feeling. Would you take it back to that same editor? So you don't have an agent. That's not a thing that you needed necessarily. Um, in my case, I didn't need an agent to sell my book. I mean, if I get an agent in the future, that would be... Simply fantastic. But no, I don't have one at the moment. I didn't need one to sell my first book. The way it happened was I actually entered a competition and my editor was the final judge for the competition. And she, she, like, it was all, all anonymous. She didn't know who we were, but she told the people who ran the competition, you know, I really liked the person who came first. Can you put me in contact with her? So we got into contact that way. And then I ended up sending her the, my whole book, which she liked. And so it was a very lucky break because I didn't need an agent. And I went straight to my editor. Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's so cool to, to enter a contest, win the contest, and then them love it so much that they're like, no, but really, I really want this one. <laughs> Yeah, it was a little, it was a little unbelievable. And I have to admit that the, the piece of work that won the competition was not the one that got published. I hadn't actually written the one that won. Like I only had the first, I think it was one and a half thousand words. And I was like, I'll just pretend that this is the beginning of a book. I mean, it didn't have to be the beginning of an entire book to enter. You just had to have Mm -hmm. the have the opening scene and she's like do you have the the rest of that book I was like no I don't but I've got this other book maybe you want this one instead and she did so yay (laughs) (laughs) so yay indeed that is always the trick though is like having just like if you could have one book on the back burner that you're just like by the way here's yeah absolutely it was fantastic timing that's awesome. I am. So I went on your website and I checked it out. I poked around because you have a whole freaking book online on Wattpad that people can oh, read yeah. Yeah. With, with like 535,000 reads. That's insane. I'm so curious how like the decision to put out 
an entire free book went? Like, were you updating it one chapter at a time or did you write the whole thing and then put it out there? Um, And how did you kind of balance that against this being something maybe you could get paid for or like traditionally published? So the story with the free book on Wattpad is that it was another competition that I entered. I think it was one that Harlequin in America ran and you had to submit your first chapter And if they liked it, you got through to the next round and then you had to submit the first three chapters. And if they liked it, then you got to submit the whole book. So I got, I went through each of those processes up to the point where they wanted to see the whole book. So I wrote the whole book, having never really written romance before. They read it. They were like, good job. It's not quite right though. And I I didn't, I honestly didn't know what else to do with it because I was really proud I had written quite a few um, YA fantasies. So I mm-hmm. think I think a little bit of that make-believe got caught up in my, att- my very first attempt to write historical romance. So it is a little more unbelievable than probably a, a historical should be, but I was really proud of it. And so I wanted to do something with it. So that's why I decided to put it up for free. I love that so much. Do you think that um, it's kind of helped drive interest potentially to the book that you do have out now um because I know that you even had like a section where one of the last chapters or like an addendum was how I wrote this whole thing and I was like this is so cool yeah I put the how I wrote this book on my Wattpad novel because I love it when authors like write posts online saying how they wrote books like one of my favorite things just like your YouTube channel where you do the experiments trying to write like other authors. I think that is fantastic and so fascinating. So that's probably why I did it because I was I was trying to be an author. I was like, this is what other authors do. They tell people how they write. So I'm going to tell people how I write. So that's what I did. In terms of if I think it's generated interest, I don't know, but it certainly gave me a lot of confidence because I, to this day, like the book's been up for a few years. And to this day, I still get people commenting, being like, great book. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. That's exactly what I needed. So I can keep writing on my current book. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It's a lot that's just so cool for that kind of immediate response, immediate reaction. And I know not everyone, I mean, 535,000 reads, not 535,000 people are like leaving a comment, but those yep, that yep. do who loved it so much to say something, it's hard for people to get that kind of feedback even now. Um, That's just so cool. Yeah, I know. I've had way more feedback on my Wattpad book because it's free online and people can comment than I have on my official published book because people will read that, but they're one step removed from me and it takes them more effort to to get online and to look at my website and then send me a message. Whereas on mm-hmm. Wattpad, you just chuck a, chuck a comment on the bottom. So yeah, I've had a lot more feedback on my free Wattpad book than I have on my published one. Yes. And this is a little bit aside, um, but when you were talking about how you think maybe the Wattpad one was a little bit more fantastical than yeah. a specific historical romance would be. I love that though, because it's one of those things that you don't learn until you've started writing the genre a little bit more about how each genre has its own expectations and its own set of rules and like what 
readers want from it. So when you stray from there and maybe not even what the readers want, but like what the market wants. So it's a learning process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love romance so much. It's my favorite genre in the world. You get to pick up a book and you know, it's going to have a happy ending at the, at, at the end. Like, you know, you're going to be satisfied with whichever book you pick up. But it was definitely a learning curve for me writing historical going from fantasy because I was I was having um, this like Scottish lord in a kilt shinning up like three stories of drain pipes and kidnapping people and they were like riding through Scotland being chased by like in the English and yeah. It, it, it got a little bit too adventure, pro- pro- probably. <laughs> I love that so much, though. That sounds up my alley, so I'm going to have to check it out. Um, but I did love how uh, your book has um, like a little like a little sticker on it that says, if you liked Bridgerton, like this oh, novel yeah, is yeah. for you. And I was like, I did like Bridgerton. Maybe this is the novel. <laughs> I love yeah. I love that. <laughs> My, my um, pub, published one does, yeah, my editor put that there. It's very cute. The timing was perfect. They acquired my book before Bridgerton came out, before we knew it was going to be a big thing. So that's not why they picked it up. Mm-hmm. But the timing just fell into place so well. Bridgerton came out, it blew up. And my editor was like, oh, this is great because your Regency is coming out, you know, very soon. I think it was like in February, so like two months after Bridgerton had first come mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I saw some promo materials that were without the little sticker and then some with. So that answers that. Oh. I was kind of curious. I was like, oh. oh, yeah, that's because it came out as an ebook first. And then when they did the print edition, they stuck the sticker on the print book mm-hmm. and they updated the cover. So the cover is basically identical for the ebook to the print book. But because there were a few months in between, they kind of gave it a little bit of a sprucing. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't realize that um, the the paperback would have come out like several months after the ebook. Oh, that's because I signed with a um, digital first imprint. It's Harlequin Australia, but I signed with Escape and Escape prints all their books digital first. And then it got moved to a different imprint within Harlequin so that they could release the paperback. Uh, it was like six months or so after. Wow. That's so interesting. See, these are all the, like the little things that you don't know until you're in it. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's been a very steep learning curve for me. So many things. My editor will just like briefly mention something. I'm like, wait, what, what that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. How many pages? I don't know if you're going to know this off the top of your head, but I'm just so curious how many pages your contract was because you're having to look over this whole thing and be like, I don't know what some of these words mean or some of these terms are. Oh, it really, it was like three pages. Really? Okay. It wasn't very um, long. I think because they use basically the same sheet for every author that they signed for that particular imprint, they Mm -hmm. really had the details down. And a lot of it was in like a table form. So you had to learn how to read the table and you had to kind of, I Googled a couple of the different terms. because I was like, why are they telling me I would get 40% royalty on this format of ebook, but 50% royalty on this other format. So yeah, I had to do a bit of research. Oh, that is interesting. It just depends who they sell it through. So if they sell it through a third provider, like Amazon, Amazon takes a little bit of the cut and then you only get 40% of the... Yeah. Of the, 
of the royalties. Whereas if they, if the publisher sells it directly, then I get 50%. Okay. These are all stuff that you learn after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any friends in Australia that have also sold books? Like I know, uh, there's like a lot of Facebook groups that people have for like their debut years and stuff like that. I didn't know if you joined any or know anyone in person. Not on Facebook. I didn't know there was a thing about debut groups. Um, I have been a member of the romance writing and the read and the reading community in Australia for quite a few years before I was pub- published. I joined, um, it's called ARA. Let me see if I can get this right. The Australian romance readers association i um served as a committee member because i love romance so much i just wanted to keep promoting the genre and i thought thought it would be like a good way to meet readers and writers and it really really was mm-hmm. and um a few years after that i joined romance writers of australia there we go it's basically very similar to the american one but mm-hmm. obviously it's australian i joined that and i've met so many australian authors through those two organizations and like I said the Australian market is so much smaller so we kind of I wouldn't say I know everyone definitely don't know everyone but I I professionally know quite a few because there are there are not too many of us I did look this up last night just for fun Australia has a population of about 25 million and America has a population of like 329 million you've got like 300 million more people than us it's crazy but yeah so there's not so many in in Australia as in America so I do have quite a few people that I know of who've published books and one of them published their book this year they live in the same city as me the same genre it was very bizarre very exciting that is that's awesome I mean once lockdown is done you know whatever this (laughs) who knows how (laughs) when that future is um but would you like be interested in meeting up with them and like (laughs) have a kind of an author day (laughs) it would be really exciting to have an author day I definitely would like to see some sort of authors because I I couldn't go to any of the conferences or conventions this year they either got cancelled or we couldn't travel in interstate across the borders to be able Mm -hmm. to attend so I had to cancel all my plans I haven't seen anyone for more than 12 months it's been very isolating Mm -hmm. man hopefully hopefully soon going back to the Wattpad thing real quick do you think you'd ever publish another book for free no okay (laughs) (laughs) no I'm I do not regret putting that one up for free at all it was such an amazing learning curve because the things that I saw as faults about that book and that potentially I don't know for sure but potentially publishers would have seen as faults a lot of the online audience loved and so yeah it was a good learning experience to about trusting yourself I suppose and always getting positive not always but getting the positive comments back to this day it's such a mood booster but I probably wouldn't do it again just because of where I I am trying to be in my career yeah. mm-hmm. I think if someone um, is not yet published and they have books that they've written on their computer that they don't plan to do anything with like if, if you're pretty sure you're never gonna do anything with that book then I would 
suggested them maybe put it up online for free because it's really a fun experience yeah there's any if you think that there's a small chance that potentially you could have that book published then I would say hold on to it yes yes that is all of the stuff that uh you have to weigh whether you want to like traditionally publish something or self-publish a book or if you want to put it up for free somewhere just trying to figure out like what path is best for each individual book is really tough um is this one of the things that like would you ever be interested in self-publishing it's definitely something I've been thinking about recently having a book traditionally published was seriously a huge dream Mm -hmm. and I hope it's dream fingers crossed that I can continue with long into the future that being said I would definitely consider self-publishing I probably more than 50% of the books I read are self-published these days in the last few years I've Mm -hmm. been loving the self-publishing or indie publishing world, I think that you can get some seriously fantastic books and you can get them, particularly in romance, you can find indie published books in sub-genres within romance that you cannot buy traditionally published. An example of that is Ruby Dixon, of course, who wrote Ice Planet Barbarians, so good, she's so clever but you know they weren't traditionally published so yeah I would definitely consider indie publishing if I wrote a book that I thought would benefit better in that realm oh man I still have not read Ice Planet Barbarians and I think I just need to I know I think I just need to take like a week and be like this is a me week (laughs) and just read as much as I can (laughs) good oh yes I think that they're great I've read them all um I've been reading them for years fantastic I will now I've now I've mentioned her first book. I feel obligated to say that there are trigger warnings for the first book. Quite serious tri- tri- trigger warnings. So if that's something that might affect you, definitely check them up online. But all the rest of the books in the series, they are the sweetest, gentlest, okay. adorable. Okay. And you think that they're going to be ridiculous. I read the first book thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. Oh, so good. <laughs> that's like this is the final push I needed because it's been in the back of my brain because I've seen the vlogs where people reacted to reading them and stuff like that and I'm like I need to do this but now you've like fully convinced me that I need to do this yeah I, I think that they are essentially what I love so much about romance and that is you know you're gonna get a happy ending you know that the main characters are gonna get the love and the respect that they deserve. Like every person in the world deserves to be loved and respected and cared for. And uh, romance just proves that point time and time again. And so I suppose Ice Planet Barbarians, I mean, aliens, they're in in space. Like it's as crazy as, as it can get. But at the end of the day, it just proves every person is worthy of love. Yes. I love romance so much too. It makes me, yeah. <laughs> it makes it and to the point where like, you know, there's like the movies that people say are super romantic, but to me, I'm trying to think of like the notebook and a couple yeah. others by that same guy who it's like, people consider them romance ones, but to me, yeah. they're not romance. Cause it's not yeah. happy at the end. <laughs> like no, I feel no. betrayed and hurt. How dare you? No. Yeah. I would, I would never classify a book that does not have a happy ending to be a rom- rom- romance. It has to be happy. So, okay. You just finished the second book in yes. this 
uh, Regency romance. So are you following um, the same couple or is it one of those where it's like you're following a side character that you introduced in the first book kind of thing? So the first book is about a duke who um, went to war because in the Regency era they had that big war with France in particular. So he's been to war, he's just come back, the war has ended. He's recovering, you know, he's got post-traumatic stress, he's depressed, he's basically an alcoholic, he's having a bad time of it. He gets his happy ending in book one. The two main characters in book one get the happy ending. Book two I have written is um, the Duke's cousin. Yes. Who um, makes a makes an appearance in book one. He's like one of the main secondary characters. And so I kind of took up the themes of him, of like the little appearances of him in book one and I turn that into a second book that follows directly on for the first one see that's my other favorite thing about romance that's so like I know other genres kind of do it sometimes but that you get to like follow characters and get them to like come back for a little bit but like there's a clear trail of who we get to like fall watch fall in love next and I love that so much (laughs) yeah it's the anticipation of knowing that they're going to get the happy ever after in the next book and of course the two main characters in book one make an appearance in book two and they're happy and they're in love I just you know just carrying on the idea of the happy ever after after marriage after you've already fallen in love yes yeah especially because I think that's my biggest one of the reasons that I I mean I love rom-coms but one of the reasons that I love romance novels in those series is because we do get to see them still in love years later books later whatever which you don't really get with movies and stuff so it's always it's always so nice so you're you haven't yet started in the third one but I guess it sounds like you know who's going to be the main character in the third one then uh yeah I I have a plan for the third one definitely and again it's one of the characters who appears in book two you kind of like hint at him a bit and I thought I'd just continue on his story into the third book give him his happy ever after Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. So you started with YA fantasy, moved to Regency romance, but you're also working on a middle grade right now? Uh, Yeah, I finished it last year or even a little while ago. Uh Time blends together. I have written a middle grade fantasy, I think you would call it, like like Diana Wynne Jones type style. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I think, I don't know. I I just felt like it, honestly. I don't have a publisher. I don't have an agent for it. I have I have no knowable plans for it. I do hope to one day have it published. Fingers crossed. I think with writing, especially when you're in the point of your career that I'm currently in, it's you have to put a lot of hope. It's just, yeah, you have to just hope. Yeah, it's a waiting game, a hoping game, and just all you can do is keep writing while you're yeah. in the midst of it. And after um, publishing, having my first book published and now knowing like from personal experience how slow the industry is, I have a lot more patience. I'm like, I haven't sold my middle grade yet, but you know, I'll get there one day. I have a lot more patience now because they're thinking so, so many months, potentially years ahead that, yeah. Oh my God. Waiting around. Yeah. And it's wild to me that during that waiting, they're also like constantly trying to predict what the next trend's going to be. Like oh, you really happened upon like 
Bridgerton being yeah. such a thing at the time, obviously they probably could not have predicted it being as no. successful. But like, <laughs> that's what they're trying to do. I, I couldn't do it. I, I don't know how to predict trends at all. I just write what I want to write <laughs> and keep my fingers crossed. Yeah, I think that's the, I mean, that's the advice, right? The best advice is just write yeah. what you want and hopefully you will find an audience for it. Yeah, I think if you write what you love, it really shows through in your writing. Yes. Okay, so I am a little bit curious since you switched careers or switched jobs at least um, to make more time for writing, how do you find the kind of juggling a day job with the writing? I have good weeks and bad weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm extraordinarily lucky with my day job because I was able to negotiate what hours I to some small extent, what hours I want to work. So I'm actually working 75%. So if full-time is 100%, I'm working 75%. Mm-hmm. But some weeks I do have to work over to quite a lot of overtime just because of the way that my job is. I will sometimes work 10 or 12 or more hours each day for a week or two weeks, but then the next few weeks, I'll only work three days a week. So for me, that's worth it because even though I'm working those long hours in my day job some weeks, other weeks I have a lot more time to be at home and just write. And yeah. So that's probably how I, ne- that's how I negotiated it. That's really nice that uh, you had at least some flexibility to do that also compared to not having a computer for two months. Anything yeah. <laughs> is great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a different lifestyle. I mean, I wasn't an archaeologist for too long, but I really enjoyed being one. But yeah, it didn't leave much time. Also, because it was very physical, you get quite tired by the end of the day. If you've been outside in the hot Australian sun, digging in this kind of deep hole. That is yeah. an excellent point. Yes. So if you have uh, hopes to hopefully have like book two published, at what point do you like kind of personally gauge uh, as you've learned this patience to kind of wait to get book two published and would you move on with the writing of book three maybe coming up with an idea for a fourth book or you know how long do you kind of wait in that sphere that's a fantastic question and one that I've been thinking about a lot recently because I finished book two literally like a week and a half ago and mm-hmm. sent it off I think for me personally and I can only ever speak personally because everyone's writing journey is going to be different but for me personally and the way that my publishing company works I would probably only start writing book three when I know book two is going to be accepted Mm -hmm. so if I get an email today from my editor being like that's great we're going to publish book two I'll be like fantastic I'm going to start book three right this very second yeah That's probably what I would wait for I don't I'm, I'm not thinking about any other potential outcome yes no it's only that it's going to be accepted absolutely I'm yeah. keeping my fingers crossed thank you it's kind yes. of strange talking about it at this stage too because I know most I, I think most authors wouldn't talk about a project in which they hadn't had confirmation it was going to be published but I want to be honest. I want you to like realize how it all works because it's uh, uh, otherwise it's quite a steep learning curve. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, especially because I mean, being on AuthorTube and watching other people's videos, I know how scary it is to be on submission. Like um, one of the author tubers I love, Kevin uh, from Kevin the Writer slash Kevlandia slash whatever other names he's had, but um, <laughs> he you know, he had an agent and he did 
they did go out on submission and then you're on submission for a while and you're just kind of waiting until you have to be like, oh, no one picked it up. And that's a very hard um, place to be because obviously you're above where some people are. Like you have an agent and you have a book and that agent believes in the book, which is more than a lot of people have. But also you're not quite yet to the published and like contract in hand stage. And it is just such an isolating and scary place to be sometimes. And yet it's a stage that a lot of people are going to eventually be at if they ever get published. So yeah, no, I appreciate you being honest in a time that it would be, you know, potentially kind of like, uh, anxiety inducing (laughs) to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite anxious. I I have actually spent the last week and a half writing a completely unrelated project all for fun, just to myself. So that every time I, I get anxious about book two, I can be like, no, don't think about it. Think about like this other, I think it's a, uh, what you'd call like a science fiction type book. I've, I'm writing, have absolutely no plan to do anything with it at this stage, but I just needed something to focus on instead of thinking about book two. But I, I, I just really want to quickly say that a lot of people will be at the submission stage and they might not be getting the answer that they want, but like more than 50% of the time, that's probably not a reflection on their work it'll be a reflection on the market Mm -hmm. or I remember I once wrote a book that had Vikings in it and I submitted it to a publisher who was like a great book but like a week ago we just signed with another author for a Viking book so it had nothing to do with me it was just the timing time timing is so important timing is crazy important yeah there's the like I mean obviously we as writers can only in control like the quality of the book and like absolutely you know the amount of writing we're doing but there's so much luck involved there's so much about timing that's involved and there's just so many elements that you'll never know so getting to a stage where you could possibly submit is incredible it's incredible and even just having something a manuscript that you're proud of Mm -hmm. it's and it's like the the best thing that you can do yeah. It's the yeah. only part that's in your control, unless you decide to self-publish, of course. Yeah. And then you get into like a whole other can of worms oh, where it's like, <laughs> it's like, you also have to be the marketer and then that's a struggle. Though I know that like, I'm a little bit curious about uh, the Australian market since I know for um, American authors, a big thing in TradPub that's been discussed recently is how much marketing individually authors have to do when compared to maybe like 10, 15 years ago, the publisher took care of it. I'm curious in a smaller marketplace, if that's something like maybe the market's always been used to is the author kind of doing more work there, or maybe that's the opposite and it's still mostly on the publisher. I know that when, um, my book was coming out I was set I was told for two weeks before it comes out and for the four weeks after its release that's when the that's when my publisher was pushing the um the promos so mm-hmm. like um putting ads out putting photos out sending copies to re- re- reviewers um mainly in Australia uh so they you you do have like a time frame from when your publisher is really going to be focused on it. And that's because a month later, they have a whole new set of books coming out. And a month after that, a whole new set of books. Mm-hmm. So that they, so they really focus on the set that's coming out on that particular month. 
that's not to say that in the following months they're going to ignore the book absolutely not it's still on the website they still talk about it they still put it up for like uh, sale deals and th things like that so they still support the authors it's just that they really focus at least in my experience for my particular publisher they really focused their time and energy in that six-week period mm -hmm. and I had a phone call with one of the marketing people and she told me a whole lot of tips and tricks about things that I could be doing during that six weeks and so that's when I joined Instagram okay <laughs> apparently uh -huh. Instagram is like a big deal for promoting books so I joined Instagram it's been fun I've been really enjoying myself like I'm 31 so it's been a little bit of a learning curve I'm quite as intuitively into these types of social medias as probably people like 10 years younger than me but it's been really fun that's awesome that's how I feel with um I know that like TikTok and book talk has become a really big thing and like author talk and stuff and I was just like you know I'm not saying never but I feel like <laughs> it's a little bit over my head <laughs> I know yeah I asked her about book talk I was like oh should I be on TikTok because I don't get how TikTok works and she said to me no master Instagram first if you can't manage Instagram you can't, you can't. manage TikTok <laughs> I was like okay that's really good advice that's a great point <laughs> And do you find now that you're using uh, your Instagram as like a, I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Do you feel like you're using it as both like where you post books that you're reading and also snippets oh, of your yeah. writing or, okay. Yeah. So I've been getting into it. I've been seeing what other people have been posting and I've kind of evolved, I think, um, putting up some photos of books that I've been reading because I love romance so much. I want to promote you know, like every romance book that I've read and I've loved. So, so many cat photos. Yes. So many cat photos. Your cat is so cute though. Oh my God. Like if you have Instagram and you have a cat, I mean, it's just, it just has to happen. Required. Yes. <laughs> but I love the, but you're reposting too, like this picture of your uh, book and then like the little tea set in the wilderness. It's beautiful. Uh, like, yeah. When my book, was released in paperback and when it first came out in ebook they sent copies to reviewers particularly in Australia mm -hmm. and so um one of my friends had to tell me about how you repost pictures on Instagram <laughs> I know how to do it now and so every time someone reviews my book and if they tag me I'll try and um repost it that's what bookstagrammers are in a league of their own like I'm always so impressed I love this picture of you getting to see your book out in the wild Oh yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just, you are, COVID, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm just, I'm on a roll now. That's so nice. Okay. Is there any other kind of bit of the publishing process that was a surprise to you? And the only thing I haven't mentioned mm -hmm. is, um, I'm not sure if they do it in America, but in Australia, we have something called the public lending rights where oh. you can register your book with the government and they will pay you a subsidy for any potentially missing income that you miss out on by having your book in a library so oh. that's probably another way to make a, bit, a little bit of money um I, again I don't know if it's an American thing but that's really yeah. cool I know that here 
the libraries have to purchase the books. And I do know that the author gets a percentage of that, though I, I know it's a smaller percentage. So that that's really interesting. One of the things that uh, I was on a chat last night celebrating my five-year AuthorTube anniversary oh, with Jessica. Thank you. And um, we had Lizelle on and she's a published author in Canada. And she was talking about all the different things she could expense as part of her like author business. Um, and so she actually gets to expense uh, or write off on her taxes, like other books she buys because it kind of counts as research and stuff. So I think she could do that for movies too. And, um, yes, that's what she said. She said her, right. She said her accountant drew the line at video games. So (laughs) it's like, okay, that's fair. Um, I mean, there, those have good stories too. So, but anyways, I thought that was really interesting. So is there anything that you've bought as part of an expense for um, both writing and or getting your book published um, that you either really liked or was like a bigger expense or anything that you know you can write off on your taxes uh, because you're an author? Yeah, um, this year I did have to get a tax account. (laughs) First time ever. And I wrote up all my expenses. I showed it to him and he, you know, did all the pay, the pay paperwork. Very clever. As an author, numbers are a bit confusing to me. But I was really excited because, um, like, writing conferences, like uh, the Australia, uh, the Romance Writers Australia conference, I can potentially claim on tax. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on this because I'm not a tax accountant but I'm pretty sure this is how it works. Um, And I didn't claim fiction books. Maybe I should have. I only claimed nonfiction. (laughs) I I tried doing it myself, but now I have a, um, a business number because I'm a, if you're an author, you have to have a business number. I had a business number. I had no clue what I was doing. So I Mm -hmm. just paid someone to do my taxes for me. See, these are the things we don't think about before. (laughs) all of this happens yeah it was definitely a bit of an expense but I think it'll be worth it in the long run yes um well thank you so much for chatting with me I had so much fun I'm going to immediately check out your book and I'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having me Oh man, I absolutely loved getting to chat with Charlotte Ann. It was also so incredibly fun hearing like her history with contests, especially as I'm attempting to enter these Hallmark Open submissions. And she's kind of inspired me to enter more contests. Like a lot of writing, it's obviously a numbers game. So there might only be one winner or there might only be, you know, placing from first to third. But as Charlotte said, so much of it is about timing. And I think getting into the practice of submitting more regularly, maybe if I can find something once a quarter or maybe even once a month, you know, that's just going to, that it, it can only help You know, it's a fun kind of challenge and it's wonderful hearing from someone where it worked. Also, I did tell my mom about The Unworthy Duke because I knew she would love it. So she's already bought it. I'm excited to hear what she thinks. One of my favorite parts is on Charlotte Ann's website. She has kind of the like the best tropes uh, that The Unworthy Duke has. It's one of my favorite things about romance in particular. So The Unworthy Duke has, you know, forced proximity, fake engagement, give it all to me, Uh, tormented and battle-weary Duke, a headstrong heroine, and one old very deaf dog, which I think is so sweet. I will be sure to link the book and 
anywhere and everywhere you can find Charlotte Ann in the show notes. But that is going to be it for this episode. If you'd like to suggest a guest, you can do so at Kofi, that's ko-fi.com slash making money, making art, or reach out to us on the making money, making art Instagram page. If you'd like to follow my own writing and creativity journey, you can find me as Kate Kavanaugh writes on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram. And my website is readwritefrome.blog. The music for making money, making art was created by the amazingly talented and skilled Micah Vidal. And I will see you all next week. Happy creating. Making money, making art. Isn't it funny how hard it is to start? Making money, making art. But you're not alone.